Welcome back to our sermon podcast here at Compass Community Church. My name is Andy. I'm the Director of Worship and Creative Arts. For the last two years, we've all experienced this global pandemic of COVID on a variety of different levels. It's, it's affected our own self, our relationships with others, and maybe even God. And the effects have been both negative and positive. Some of us have lost or changed jobs. Some of us have thrived in this time and others have struggled. Regardless of where you land in this whole conversation, the truth is that we've all learned something from it, or we could all learn if we take some time. In this four-week series, we've been looking back and discovering what we've learned about ourselves and others and God and even the church. In this week's message, Jay wraps up the series by looking at the church. The past few years have presented some of the greatest challenges to the church in modern history. As you look back, what have we learned about this thing called church in terms of its expression locally and in the world? And how can it both challenge and inspire us as we look towards the future? Let's join in now as Jay wraps up the series, What We've Learned. In March 2020, the world changed forever. And in many ways, so did the church. But it wasn't the first time that world events have affected the church. See, the church doesn't exist in a vacuum. We're not of the world, but we're certainly in the world. And we're definitely for the world. And so it's natural that in a time of global crisis, like the COVID-19 pandemic, there would be some long-ranging effects on this thing we call the church. You know, in the 15th century, in the shadow of the grim global climate of the Middle Ages, the church suddenly faced this grim crisis of its own that was connected to external cultural events. The moral corruption of the day leaked into the church, causing all kinds of spiritual chaos. The crisis caused the church to look in the mirror and just get really honest with itself. To re-examine herself from every viewpoint, human and divine. She had to compare what she was with what she should be. What she believed to what she did. Like, are we really teaching and living out what the Bible says? And you know, the process was hard. It was very likely, it very likely contained many awkward conversations. It was probably even embarrassing in some ways as the church came face to face with the realities of where it had faltered, how, fall, how far it had fallen and what it had become. But out of the ashes of this challenging cultural crisis, the church was reformed. I mean, it wasn't perfect because the church is made up of imperfect people like you and I, but its beauty was restored. It started to look a lot more like Jesus. It started to reflect a lot more of the beauty of his kingdom. Hey, you know, we were all caught off guard by the scale of what the pandemic did to the world. God was not caught off guard. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew the challenges we were going to face, and he knows how to use these challenges to refine us and maybe to redefine us as we reflect Jesus to a world that God so loves. You know, we're in the final week of a series called What We've Learned. 
And each week we've had the privilege of listening to some personal pandemic stories. And it's so cool on a day where we're focusing on the church and what we've learned about the church that we get to hear another story from someone right here from our church. Today we're going to hear some reflections from Steve Elliott. Check it out. My name's Steve Elliott, and uh, I've been uh, part of Compass Church for about 16 years now. Well, it started out really well in that I got married just a week after COVID uh, shut the province down. So it started out really well. However, uh, on the business side of things, it really was a challenge. It was difficult for me as a business owner uh, to um, lay off staff that, uh, that work for you. And that's probably the worst thing I've ever had to experience. Handing people their, basically their slips that, and you didn't know when they were going to be called back. Um, I'm a businessman, but I'm also a human and a Christian, and that was probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. The next 15 weeks were challenging uh, in that I had no staff, but was expected by government mandate to keep the store open. And um, so I was pretty much there on my own for 15 weeks. My wife, Danielle, uh, was my rock through that. And as much as there was times when it was really challenging, I always knew that she was there to um, be behind me and uplift me. And, uh, and then uh, God was also there encouraging me as well uh, through a very difficult time. So that's how it started. I think I've come to appreciate that uh, there's, a, I think a lot of times we put emphasis on stuff and um, I've learned that you can get by on a lot less. I've learned that uh, stuff is not important, although I had a pretty good grasp on that one beforehand. Um, but um, it was about relationships um, with my wife and uh, family and uh, our small group was a great support as well. Um, praying regularly, whether it was by Zoom or sometimes it was in person, depending on the way the regulations were going at that time. but. Our small group was very supportive of all our business people in the small group. Um, and so that really meant a lot to have those people that were there to support and pray. And, and uh, I do remember one very distinct small group meeting by Zoom. It was probably June and somebody mentioned that, because nobody really knew how long this was going to go on. And somebody in our small group said they had heard it could go on for as long as six months. I think there's probably still a dent in the floor from where my chin hit at that point because <laughs> I, I honestly didn't know whether the business would survive being what we were for six months. Um, and, uh, but now we've come back and, and uh, um, better, more, more better days than there are bad days and um, through it all God has been good. It's hard to keep changing things when you're running a business because the customers 
they get surprised almost every time they come in when the mandates keep changing and what your hours can be and what your uh, your options are as far as number of people that you can have in the store. Um, it was something that um, uh, it was hard to follow, but you just did your best. And we tried to be inclusive of the guidelines, but also uh, trying to be consistent and having consistent hours for the customers that uh, they didn't have to worry, well, are they open today or not open today, or are they open till four today or six today or whatever. So it was important to have, be consistent. Um, and once we started bringing staff back, that was when, uh, when we set some pretty, pretty finite hours and that was really what they are today. They, they just really haven't changed. Uh, customers have gotten used to the, the regular hours that we have now and, and uh, it's hard to change paradigms for, uh, for customers when you're not in constant communication with them. And um, so we just thought being consistent and, and uh, right across the board was, was the best way to go. I think it made me realize, um, although we didn't understand as humans what was going on really with either with government or in the rest of the world, um, but we realized that, that God is good all the time and God is in control all the time. And uh, so without that, uh, it would be life would be a big question mark as to what's next. Where are we going to be in this tomorrow? Where are we going to be in this next week? It's been, uh, it's just, that's one thing I have realized more than ever. I always knew it, but um, God is in control. I would say just having our, our very close small group that was there, um, you know, they would come in and, and a couple of the guys would come in and visit and um, I remember one particular day, uh, one of the guys came in and, and prayed with us, right, prayed with me right in the office. Uh, I was really discouraged at that point and wondering, you know, are we going to make it through this? Or is this what the life is going to be like? Because this is not what I signed up for nine years ago when I bought Barth's cleaning center. It was just, I did not anticipate anything like this, nor did anyone else, that it was going to be like this. So I would say, what strengthened my faith was um, just knowing that, that these people were there, uh, that cared very much about us, Danielle and myself and family, um, and, um, and they were there to support uh, in a great way. I just think the, the importance of uh, close relationships um, with uh, my wife, obviously, but also my close circle of friends um, that we're in contact with on a pretty regular basis. Um, I would not want to ever lose that because that was, those things were what, what got us through. Um, that and our dependence on, on God to, uh, um, to just show us the way every day, what's, what's coming at us and being able to deal with deal with it the right way. Lots of people can jump up and down and go into hysterics and yell and scream and everything, but that's not going to accomplish anything. It's, uh, it's just the value of the friendships uh, with and my relationship with my wife uh, always being there to support me and, 
and just just knowing that it didn't we didn't have to say it we just knew I just knew that she was there all the time and, and that's been a real blessing yeah I don't think anybody's come through this and not learned anything um, as a business person I think we've learned to um, be more efficient in what we do um, and how we do it and um, you know it's just been a real learning curve to, to learn different ways of doing things, different methodologies of doing things. So it's, it's been uh, a real learning curve and um, I'm, I'm grateful now that, you know, when we see the, you know, the business is starting to grow again and starting to um, kind of get back to what the new normal will be, I guess, for lack of a better expression. Um, it's, yeah, it's been been a ride. It's been a ride for sure. Hey, thanks, Steve, and thanks to everyone who has shared their stories with us during this series. We appreciate you all so much. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you. You know, we all have these personal stories, right, from the pandemic, and certainly our church and the church has a story. Now, the story is still being written in many ways. The effects of COVID will continue to present themselves for a very long time. But here is what a recent study has shown Okay, the study uh, was, was a survey. It surveyed several churches from 13 different North American denominations very recently. And this isn't science, but I think it does kind of offer this broad overview of where things are currently in the North American church. Here's what the survey determined. 80% of churches are now offering a hybrid of in-person and online services. 15% are offering only in person, and 5% are offering only online. Okay. Compared to pre-pandemic numbers where attendance was already slipping, there remains approximately a 12% decline in church attendance. Okay, so pre-COVID, attendance was already slipping. Throw COVID on top, it's down another 12%. Maybe not surprisingly, but larger churches seem to be affected less than smaller churches by the pandemic. Regardless of size, those churches that switched to a hybrid model of in-person and online services actually came out of the pandemic the healthiest. 75% of all churches surveyed said they experienced some form of internal conflict in varying degrees, 75%. 67% of church pastors and staff said that the past two years have been the most challenging of their entire ministry, and 37% of pastors and church staff seriously considered leaving ministry altogether. You know, I just thought those were some interesting stats about some of the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the church. That's kind of the temperature as we move into a post-COVID world. And, you know, the pandemic has forced us to ask some important questions as the church, right? Like, why do we exist? Why do we do this thing? 
What, what is our message during a global crisis? Like, what do we say? How do we relate with one another when we don't always agree with one another? That's a big question. What are our priorities? When we're unable to function as we normally would, what do we place at the top of the list as our priorities? What does the relationship between the church and the state look like? Oh, there's a big one. These are really difficult questions to answer, and there are no easy answers, but they're important ones that COVID has forced us to just kind of wrestle with. And we're not going to answer them all today, but we can get some clarity as we look at a story in the book of Acts that centers around conflict and crisis. Okay, you can turn there with me now. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at just five verses, verses 36 through 41. Okay, Acts 15, 36 through 41. Now, this is a story that centers around two important early church leaders. Okay, they were close partners in ministry, but they are embroiled in a heated conflict of opinion. And Lord knows this has been a season that has contained some heated conflicts of opinion. Okay, there's relevance here for us. The leaders' names were Paul and Barnabas. And the conflict of opinion was around whether or not they should take along with them another guy named John Mark on a missionary journey that they were planning. Okay, Barnabas, he was a strong yes on this. Yeah, bring John Mark along. Paul was equally had a strong no, like absolutely not. Terrible idea. Do not bring John Mark. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Both parties, Paul and Barnabas, they loved the church. Both parties thought their opinion was what was best for the church. Okay, over and over as we read his epistles, we see Paul's heart for the church, how it broke for these early followers of Jesus, these churches that he had helped plant and to, and to grow and mature. We see Paul's sacrifice for them. We see his consuming love and concern for these churches. Paul's motives are so pure. He wants what's best for the church. That's Paul. And Barnabas does too. He was a powerful preacher who longed to see enemies of the cross come to know Jesus. Luke actually feels the need to include the meaning of his name, son of encouragement, in Acts 4.36. Barnabas, he was the first person of influence and responsibility to extend his personal warmth and home to Paul when the rest of Jerusalem was throwing stones at Paul. In Acts chapter 9, Acts eleven twenty four describes Barnabas like this. He says, he, Barnabas was a good man, filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. That's Barnabas. These are good dudes. Okay, they were both passionate about Jesus, about the gospel, and their disagreement, it wasn't about doctrine. It wasn't uh, anything about the truth of, of Scripture or the gospel. It wasn't over essentials of faith. It wasn't even about secondary issues. Okay, the conflict was about a matter of opinion. 
And you know, this text that we're going to look at is a reminder that as followers of Jesus, we ain't always going to agree with one another. Like our motives might be pure. We might want the same end result to see God glorified and people come to know him. But we're not always going to agree on how to get there. See, we, like Paul and Barnabas, we're imperfect. See, I love the fact that this story is in the Bible because it's a little bit awkward. It just is. Like, what do you mean two church leaders, guys like Paul and Barnabas, they had a disagreement and they couldn't figure things out? Like, ouch! These guys were mature believers in Jesus. They were leaders. They should have been able to solve this disagreement. They should have been able to hold hands around the campfire and sing Kumbaya. But they couldn't do that. They couldn't. They couldn't figure it out. There's some dysfunction in this story. And you you and I can be a little dysfunctional sometimes. I mean, if Paul and Barnabas weren't perfect, we probably won't won't be either. And yet God still wants to use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan of redemption. He does. In an imperfect world. There's a lot of hope here. There's a lot of hope. This text can help guide us as the church. As imperfect people who won't always agree with one another, but as we look in the mirror, like what do we prioritize? What do we pursue as we move into a post-COVID world that has changed forever and is full of people that desperately need to know the hope of Jesus Christ? Number one, we prioritize people. Hey, look at verse 36 with me. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord to see how they're doing. Okay, a couple of things I want to draw out here. Firstly, man, Paul cares deeply for these new Gentile believers. Okay, these new followers of Jesus who are likely trying to struggle and figure out faith in a world, in a culture that was so opposed to this new Jesus movement. These people were Paul's very passion, his very heartbeat. The reason he wanted to actually go and visit them so desperately was so he could take a letter from them, to them from the church council in Jerusalem. A letter that had just been written at the beginning of chapter 15, just before this. And the letter was literally about them. See, the bigwigs in the mother church in Jerusalem, they were trying to place Jewish rules and regulations on these Gentile believers in the form of circumcision. And Paul and Barnabas, they were like, no way, man. Like, no. These new Gentile believers, they're getting saved. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you and I. They're being transformed. Guys, remember, it is grace that saves us. It's not following man-made rules. Don't do this to them. Remember when we had that, that yoke around our necks, all those laws, our ancestors couldn't carry them and neither could we? Don't you do this to them. 
And the council, they relented, they agreed, they decided they shouldn't make it difficult for Gentile believers to follow Christ. And so now Paul is so stoked to go and share this good news with them face to face. His priority wasn't, wasn't about rules, it wasn't about methods, it was about people. Paul loved people. He loved seeing them transformed by the power of God. He was deeply concerned for these people. And he was also deeply concerned for his missionary team, people. I mean, that's what this whole argument with Barnabas is about. Look at verses 37 and 38. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Okay, we don't know why John Mark bailed. We don't know why he bailed on them. Could have been the intense spiritual warfare they were facing as they ministered for Jesus in a hostile environment. Could have been he just missed his mom's home cooking. We don't know. We could speculate all day. But the point is, he abandoned the team. He walked out on them in their hour of need. And although Barnabas was apparently cool with that, Paul was not so cool with it. Paul had some deep concerns about bringing John Mark along this time because, like, you just don't do that to your team. You just don't leave. That's not acceptable. That breeds discouragement. It breeds disunity. Paul cared deeply for these new believers, and Paul cared deeply about his team. Paul cared deeply for people. The gospel is about people. See, Paul knew that the ultimate goal of the church isn't about instructing people on what they should do, but helping them understand who they can become. The ultimate goal of the church isn't about instructing people on what they should do, but helping them understand who they can become. God saving people. Jesus transforming people. See, this is just an inspiring and maybe important thing for us to remember as we navigate faith in a post-COVID world. It's about people. You know, I love Vicky's comment in her video as we kicked off this series. You can go back and check that out if you didn't see it. She said, when we were in lockdown and we couldn't gather together in a building, she was reminded again that the church isn't made of bricks and mortar. It's made of skin and bone. The church is people and the church exists for people. Like our our building is awesome. What a great space that God has gifted us with. And the spaces where our sites meet are important, but they exist for people. So people can gather in community and meet with God. Our programs are great, but they only exist for people. So people can grow in their faith and their love for Jesus and community. Finances are so important. Shameless plug for our spring financial challenge. But our finances exist for people. So we can run ministries that connect people with other people that help people thrive in faith. 
so we can purchase needed equipment to help enrich people's worship experience of God, so we can send people on missions experiences so they can change the lives of other people. People, people, people. I love that throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus stopping in the middle of busy ministry days to prioritize people. They were never an inconvenience. They were never a vehicle for advancement. They were never projects. They were the very reason he came. We are the church of him, of Jesus Christ, and Jesus loves people. So we had better be in the people business more than ever. It was what was most important for Paul. It was his heartbeat. It was his passion. And as we move into this new world, oh, let it be ours. See, our world aches to be known. People ache with with the need to know that they matter, that they are worthy of love. And there is a God who cares about them and who loves them. May we always prioritize people. And may we move the mission. Okay, look at verses 39 and 40. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. This is big. You see, make no mistake, this was not ideal. This situation of them splitting, it's not what they wanted. It's not how they envisioned this thing. It was awkward. They were supposed to do it together, Paul and Barnabas. But Barnabas took Mark, Paul took Silas, they jumped in boats, and the mission moved. See, it had to. It's too important not to. Lives are at stake. Eternity is at stake. People are at stake. And we just talked about how important people are to Jesus. The mission has got to move. You know, as we come out of the past two years, this is such an important thing for us to remember. I just really think it is. Our world is a very different place than it was two years ago, and that will likely mean some differences for the church. It already has. Let's be honest. Uh, like The word of the pandemic is what? Pivot. Right? Everybody pivoted. We pivoted and began to do this. We pivoted and we, we started to do this. Listen, Paul and Barnabas just pivoted. And so have we. Like we now offer an online presence like this where we connect with people far and wide with the love of Christ and the message of the gospel. New people who have never, who may never step foot in one of our buildings. 
that can now be part of a faith community. We just do some things differently than we did before. We had to pivot, right? In some ways, I mean, even some of the people that we saw before, we haven't seen them in a while, and there's all these new people, new folks here, which is amazing. So amazing. So glad you're here. Things have changed, and there'll likely be more changes in our church. Like, we just don't know fully what the future holds. That's just the reality of our world. And change can be hard. It can be really hard. I get that. I get that. And change can be awkward. <laughs> you know, there might be some things that turn out, it's, that's not how I saw it. That's not how I envisioned it. Like with Paul and Barnabas, right? Ah, oh, we sign up to do this thing together. But sometimes change can be necessary to keep the mission moving. Sometimes change can actually be beautiful. Sometimes change can, can, can keep the gospel moving. Are we willing to pivot to be flexible for the, shape of, for the sake of the gospel? Listen, models change. Even church models change sometimes, but the mission never changes. Okay, the mission never changes. We exist to make disciples who love God completely and others sacrificially. Right, the great commandment, the great commission, the mission never changes. It's mission imperative. Lost people need Jesus. They needed Jesus when Paul and Barnabas got in their boats and set sail for the sake of mission. Lost people needed Jesus before COVID. And they definitely need Jesus now as we set sail into this strange new world. The mission's got to move. It's got to keep moving. It's too important not to. Okay, and you've got to be a part of it. Are you stalled in mission? Right? Has COVID caused you maybe to stop serving, to stop being the hands and feet of Jesus? Like it's been hard. I get that. It is hard. Maybe you've gotten out of rhythm in your own personal spiritual practices. Maybe all the changes that have come with COVID has left you discouraged or, or caused you to like to pull back from community. Well, my, my encouragement for you is to get back in the game, to get back in the rhythm of, of, of spirituality, of, of connecting with God, to get back on mission. Listen, if you're new to Compass, hey, get plugged in. If you're watching online, let us know you're here. Get involved in our midweek ministries. Start using your gifts. You know, serving is the absolute best way to meet new people. And let's keep the mission moving. It's too important not to. And if we do, something happens. Something extraordinary. Something supernatural. Jesus builds his church. Look at verse 41. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Despite the challenges, despite the dysfunction, Jesus still moved. 
Jesus did his thing. The churches were encouraged. They were taught. They were strengthened. New people were added to its number. God was lifted up and glorified. People were transformed. You know, if you read ahead to chapter 16 of the book of Acts, we find out that it would be on this very missionary mission, this journey, a journey that was birthed out of dysfunction and conflict that Paul would meet a young man named Timothy. And they would form a spiritual relationship that would change the landscape of their world. Jesus still moved. Jesus still moves. See, Jesus made us a promise. He made us a promise in Matthew 16, 8. Listen to his promise. He said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. He didn't say, I will build my church unless there's a global pandemic, then the bet's off. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I will build my church if my followers always get it right. Right, if they knock this thing out of the park, then I'm, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I will build my church if you follow this latest popular church growth model. He didn't say that. Here's what he said. I will build my church. And nothing, no one, stop it. And he will. His love still transforms the lost and the lonely. His power still saves sinners. And his glory still pours out of broken vessels like you and me. As we prioritize people, top of the list, people. As we keep the mission moving, despite the, the struggles, despite the inconveniences, despite everything. What have we learned from a global pandemic? <laughs> That's our series, right? What have we learned? We've, we've learned this. He will build his church. He will build this church. And therefore, I can say without hesitation that despite the fact that we move into an uncertain future, the next days can be our very best days. Because we don't do this alone. We do this with one another. And above all, we do this with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we, we pray for our church and, and the church at large. We ask that in these unprecedented days, you would strengthen us. You would encourage us, you would build us, you would form us. 
you would protect us, and oh God, that you would use us for the glory of Jesus and to lead many people to him. God, we thank you for carrying us through these past two years, and we trust you for the future as we follow. We pray this in the name of our glorious bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man.